1: everyone welcome to another behind the message with Jason and Chris and Jason Yeah, I feel like the introduction should be Jason and Jason and Chris what do you think Chris <laughs> we sit up close the door what do you think think
0: about that Whatever. I told you that we needed to come up with little
1: catchphrases oh, little catchphrase yeah. Um I don't know. We'll think about it. maybe when we relaunch behind the message in the fall, which means we only got to this one and maybe two more weeks. And then we'll take a behind the message break. Um so just so people know, uh Justin our our elder chairman uh told me at my eval yesterday that no one listened to my podcast. So it didn't. He, didn't he, guys? He did. He did. Uh, yeah, he said it in a nicer way, but um, yeah, I know. But we showed him. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, my daughter is calling me on her Kindle tablet. Here, hold on. Let's let's open that and see it real quick. Hold on. Let's make sure it's not a per. Love you, Dad. I love you, Dad. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'll have to delete that app. Um. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> just... All right. So we're gonna do a mega behind the message. So from two weeks ago, June seventh, and then from this past Sunday. So this is from the June seventh message. I've already forgot it. <laughs> oh, it's Peacemakers. We were I I taught them Peacemakers from First Samuel nineteen. Um. So, before we dive into that, we're just going to kick off with a little bit of an intro question about a time in our lives where we didn't have peace. So, the question is, have you ever had a confrontation with a friend? What'd that look like to get in a fight? Who's been in fights?
0: I feel like Chris has definitely been in fight.
1: I said yes, but I can't
0: remember any Have you ever been in a face fight? No. Really? No 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 I've never punched anybody with me. okay,
1: with your fist yes <laughs> I've never okay are you? did you just lie in the podcast no oh okay just the way that you said it was like I was trying to think to make sure okay because there was a time that I could say it and I just wanted to make sure since okay. the last time I said it to the okay. current so you've had confrontation nothing sticks out but no. you know you never punched anyone yeah I'm, okay how about you Jason Baker
2: uh, yeah but
1: not a friend so <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, what's the name? What's uh first and last name? No. <laughs> yeah. How old. So are you? many.
2: No. Uh it was in like middle school, high school yeah. age.
1: Yeah. Was it like yelling or like you fist fought?
2: Um there were a couple of times there were fists, but I was getting picked on, so
1: Oh, all right. Yeah. Well, you gotta punch a bully. Yeah, still got battled for it, so. By who? Principal. Oh man! Welcome, to, <laughs> welcome to the '90s. Yep. yeah so, Yep. Um, mine was actually after Bible college. <laughs> <laughs> nice. With a Bible college friend, yeah, we were in uh, uh, Texas visiting family, and uh, my buddy Daniel was watching our little pug. At he like took our pug and to the house and. I forgot what we were fighting about on the phone and it just turned into this shouting match of like um, like a Jerry Springer shouting match. Like things that I would never be proud that people know that I said <laughs> and we're yelling like just violent, terrible words to each other. And then uh, I came home and we apologized and that was it. Now we're still good friends. He's a pastor in Texas now, and ironically, he moved to Texas and is a pastor. And um, But yeah, that's probably my biggest one. I'm not much of a fighter. So, I don't know. All right, well, let's go through this. First Samuel 19, 1 through 7. This is a question for all of us. What do you think some people are... Why do you think some people never find relational peace in their life? All right. Someone take it away. Uh, I would say
0: lack of communication. Yeah. Um, some people uh, set like impossible expectations.
1: Mm, that's good.
0: And I said um, being unable or unwilling to commit
1: yeah, those are all good.
0: To the process.
1: To the process. Baker? I think in
2: relationships you've gotta bring the peace with you to start with. Yeah. So they don't have their own internal peace. So they're not ever gonna have peace relationally with and anyone. That's insightful. Yep. Yeah.
1: So I'm glad, I'm glad we brought you on this podcast. Get some real answers in here. <laughs> 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 that's good. Do you have more? Sorry, no. Oh, okay. Pretty much it. I thought you were looking at your notes. I was like, no. So, um, I've mentioned this before. I forgot what message it was, um, and how it related to the passage. But I'd say for a lot of people, drama is their comfort. We think of like drama as like super uncomfortable. Everything is upside down. But for some people. That's where they find their comfort Mm. Um, I think they've experienced so much relational drama in their life it becomes normal and then comfortable to them they become anxious they become more anxious when everything's fine and when everything's fine then they cause that drama Um, so um, I think for the a lot of this doesn't really have to relate to the passage but Uh, You have to learn to live in relational peace long enough that it becomes a new normal in your life. I think that's really hard for people, especially that have had troubled childhoods, um, that you have to relearn what is normal. Um, So we're going to talk about what peacemakers are in this passage um, in 1 Samuel 19. But before we answer that, we're going to answer the question, what peacemakers are not? These were not in the notes for that Sunday. They were just extra credit. Um, so we have the first one, letter A, peacemakers are not gaslighters. Uh, Jason Payne, for you, how do people invalidate others' feelings over a conflict? Um, I'm going to bring, hopefully this is helpful, but a really uncomfortable topic up as an example for this. Um, For a while, and maybe still, we still are, the entire country was talking about racial reconciliation. It's almost like we forgot about that, Um, which can kind of prove it was just more of a trend than it was that anyone actually meant anything by it. But uh, as a pastor, you were kind of in trouble if you spoke about it, and then you were in trouble if you didn't speak about it. Um, But what I did say and continue to to believe during all that is um, That when I have black brothers and sisters in Christ uh, That I actually know and they're telling me hey Jason like something isn't right My first peacemaking response Should not be well. That's all in your head or All lives matter just true or um, you're just buying into some woke agenda, maybe that is true, or even racism doesn't exist anymore. And that, those are the kind of responses you saw even in the white evangelical circles. Um, I don't, that's not peacemaking. Uh, we had black brothers and sisters in Christ that had real feelings over conflict and many of them, many of us just shut them down or refused to listen. Um, and then we wonder why, well, why isn't there peacemaking happening? So now I'm not saying there isn't a woke agenda. I think there is. I'm not saying, um, this is controversial, but I'm not even saying Black Lives Matter was a great organization. I think it's proven probably wasn't um, and isn't. Um, and I'm not saying that the government should hand the black community extra cash for being black is what even we're seeing trying to happen in California. Uh, All of those things are discussions to be had, but for me as a white Christian to completely ignore the real thoughts and feelings of my black Christian friends, uh, not only is that wrong, it's not peacemaking. It's gaslighting. Um, You can take the same approach, that same example, to anything in this life. To ignore the reality of truth And thoughts and feelings of another will not bring peace it doesn't mean y'all are gonna have agreements on everything but just to ignore that that doesn't exist is not a first step in peacemaking or is it even a first step that we're called to biblically take Um, but then we had letter B peacemakers are not people pleasers so for Eucharist why doesn't people pleasing bring peace either uh, because they're not they're not bringing real peace <laughs> yeah um they're
0: just doing things to have people like them mm-hmm. uh, i think you even said in your sermon that you struggle with this and that a lot of people just do it to appease the anxiety in themselves um yeah.
1: did that make sense when i said it yeah Is that i mean it makes sense in the way that's how i feel you know like i just want peace around me not because I actually want that peace right at an eternal level God-honoring level I just want the anxiety of that chaos to stop in my own heart and mind um, so sometimes it works it's just not sustainable or healthy so let's talk about what what do peacemakers actually do what do peacemakers do this is from the passage number one peacemakers anticipate problems before they become a reality. Alright, question back to you, Jason Payne. What
0: was the obvious problem between Saul and
1: David? Alright, you ready? Saul wanted David dead again. That's my answer. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> it's a pretty obvious problem that we'll, we're seeing throughout the passage. And we'll continue to see in 1 Samuel. Um, so for you, back back to you, Chris. Why did Saul ask those that loved David to kill him, which was wild, Yeah, you know? Uh, Well, he really didn't, I guess he didn't really think about
0: his request. Um, He was blinded by his sin and rage because of his jealousy over David. He just wanted him
1: dead. Yeah. So I don't know that
0: he really thought of who he was asking. He was just asking for it to be done.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it almost is that reminder to any of us that that there is, there can be a level of rage that throws out all common sense. Like there's nothing that in that situation that makes sense right now. Yeah. Um, and that person in the rage feels 100% justified in that. I told you all both, or maybe I didn't tell you, right? I got that road rage incident a few months ago and I've thought about it like every waking hour. Me and Judo were in the car and I don't know what I did. I mean I'm sure I was not doing something. He said I was on I was messing with my phone. Maybe I was. Um but I don't think I got in his lane. I don't know what he did, but this guy followed me, was taking pictures, like screaming cuss words, and I tried to like roll down my window to have this like I even apologized to. I guess I don't know. If I was on my phone I shouldn't have been. And he just kept cussing and I was like, Whoop Roll the window back <laughs> up. <and laughs> hope this guy doesn't kill me. And Jude is in the back seat hearing words he's never heard before. And it was like, it just didn't make, none of that made sense. It's this level of rage where this person feels justified in all of their actions. Yeah. And they're saying and doing things that, lit, that logically do not make sense. To have a road rage, regardless of what I was doing, he was making everything and everyone else super unsafe by his actions. Um, So it's the way rage can can blind us. Um, Mm -hmm. All right, Baker, how can we anticipate problems in our lives?
2: I think um, being vigilant um, with their heart and their thoughts. Uh, like being introspective because I think that's where the vast majority of our problems come from yeah. um, you know being honest with ourselves uh, repent um, doesn't mean problems won't come to us but it puts us in a place that if there are problems coming from an external source we're more prepared for them anyways
1: mm. that's good So. Did you go to Zaxby's? Yeah, I'd take Connor to work. Yeah. Did he get you Zaxby? Did no, you I order him like him a meal? Oh, a drink. No. All right. I, I keep forgetting he works there. Yeah. I didn't go see him. Oh, yeah. He likes it.
0: Uh, Jason Payne, back to you. Why is it important to anticipate problems
1: early? I think in the message, I went on some rant about anticipatory <laughs> leadership, but let's just keep it simple here at least when it's relational um, you might be able to resolve something as a misunderstanding before it actually is a major conflict sometimes you have issues relationally in your life and you're like we got beef with each other or there's issues going on and if you were to just address that early both parties might find out and like oh we're fine you know like we just didn't we weren't on the same page Mm -hmm. We weren't thinking about the same thing, and we thought we were. Um, so that's helpful because if that if that doesn't dissipate on its own, it can fester and turn into major relational conflicts. Just when it was just a misunderstanding at the beginning. Um, I'd say most importantly, we anticipate those problems because you might be able to catch sin before it grows in the mm-hmm. dark and kills. Yeah, which I'll talk about in the study group tonight we're doing with in James, um, about sin that, that stays in the dark will grow. And I think usually we put sin away and just like, I think it'll go away on its own or people will forget about it. What you don't realize is it's actually growing in that dark space. In this context, um, Jonathan didn't listen to his dad's words and thought, like, God, dad's just saying crazy stuff again. He's trying to get ahead of this before that, that anger and rage actually turns into the murder of his best friend. Yeah. Um, so, something we all deal with. Yeah. People trying to kill our best friends. So... <laughs> All right, I didn't sleep a lot last night. If it's sorry, didn't
0: didn't. <laughs> wasn't it's that... hard.
1: Look, all right, so we did staffy ev- our yearly staff evals yesterday. That's seven meetings throughout the day, and since I'm was, I was evaluated. I feel like twice. So really, eight meetings mm. for me. <laughs> <laughs> and then you leave, and what I let? Would we leave around nine? Like, I can't just go home and go to bed. Like, I gotta think about other things. So I stayed up and played video games like an adult. <laughs> played uh Have you beaten Hogwarts yet? I haven't played it. Do you own it? No. Alright, well, never mind. Alright, let's go back to what we're at. Two, peacemakers confront the issue with urgency. Baker, why should we be urgent in our confrontation? Um...
2: So confrontation grows quickly, you know, as well as sin. like you were talking in my notes, I actually have James 1, 15, um, actually 14 through 15. It says, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin and sin, when it's fully grown brings forth death. So, you know, confrontation doesn't rarely ever resolves itself on its own. Yeah. So we must take action to resolve that. And, you know, there may be the temporal, you know, here on earth consequences, but there can be eternal consequences Mm
0: -hmm. as well.
1: Yeah, that's really good.
0: Uh,
1: Jason Payne, how urgent do we need to be? I'm very conflicted about my answer. (laughs) So y'all are going to have to help me out. I'm going to, again, I'm going to quote James 1, which will be for the study group next Wednesday night. But this is James 1, 19 through 20. Um, Yeah, let's just do 19 through 20. It says, Now this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So, how urgent should we be when we confront issues? We need to be urgent enough, but still able to do that to actually listen, to be slow to anger. Um, I'd say it's almost never healthy to confront an issue when you got that burning in your belly. Mm-hmm. I think we, you know, everyone knows what that is. Um, or you're unable to calmly talk about the issue without that burning in your belly. If you can't do that, maybe you don't need to confront that issue just yet. Um, now I'm conflicted when I say that because I think, well did Jesus have that burning in his belly when he's flipping over tables, you know, <laughs> or was he like, "Look, I feel I'm completely cool right now, guys, I'm calm and he's just flipping over tables. I think there was a level of 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 physical of anger and righteous anger in that, so maybe there is a time for that, maybe. Um, but we often turn that into sin unlike jesus um, yeah we we're we're not flipping over tables in righteous anger for the most part right um, uh, another of my points that I think I've had to learn since being here we need to be urgent in confronting others but not more urgent than the Holy Spirit. so I hate confrontation um and I hate it so much that I don't avoid it that I want to address it right now and get it over with. Uh, and you can probably go through that in premarital counseling. They'll talk about like how do you handle, each handle conflict. Um, but like when Corey and I get into an argument, she needs to decompress on that. And I'm like, no, we need to fight about that right now and figure it out and get it over with. Um, and I've had to learn to give her space mm-hmm. to deal with that And that's okay. Um, I think the same thing here. I used to think it was a healthy and uh, amazing trait of my personality. (laughs) Like the East River Park has shown me that like I was actually being immature and allowing my anxiety to rule my leadership. Like I wanted it over so my anxiousness could stop. And so what I mean by all this is I need to give people, we need to give people space, if they're a believer, space to actually pray and read the Word on their own. I need to give space for the Holy Spirit to confront them in their sin. Um, so if it's not life or death, uh, I it can wait a few days. And I have not been... Um, great about that. So I'll get, can I give a, you know, another example a few weeks ago, or actually this, that Sunday, someone said something to me about a situation in our church. And I picked up the phone in the driveway when I got home from church, because I was like, I got to deal with this right now. It's going to make <laughs> me anxious. And it wasn't a big deal. And I think in that moment, it, it could have been a healthy phone call. But it was also that reminder of like, Jason, slow down. Like it's fine to give things a few days. Like um, so, there's a, there's a time frame in there. But hopefully that's helpful. So back to you, Chris. Does ignoring issues ever help that situation?
0: Not in my experience. <laughs> uh, it usually makes things worse.
1: Yep. Should give me some practical examples with. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Question to ask for that.
1: Yep. All right. Three, peacemakers highlight all the good things of the situation. Um, I didn't like that point at all. That's why I tried to clarify some of that, in, in the message. But, um, and hopefully we'll find clarity here too. But for you, Baker. What do we learn from Galatians 6 1 about peacemaking?
2: So, Galatians 6 1 says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. So, um, you know, as this is talking about church discipline, um, but we're to approach our brother and sister. Um, that it's in a transgression, with the goal to seek restoration with gentleness. You know, speaking out of love and truth. And you know, it's hard sometimes to have that balance. Mm. You know, you can go one, too far one way or, or too far the other. But I was just kind of thinking of the body of Christ. You know, everybody. If we injure a part, the rest of the body comes forth to try to bring. Healing back Mm -hmm. to that part of the body. So I think you know, just that visual for me helps with thinking about this verse.
1: Yeah. You ever uh, had like a lower back injury, and if one side is injured, your body like looks crooked, and Mm -hmm. it's because your body is trying to compensate for that injury so it can heal. But like you can look at yourself in the mirror, and you just like. Look like a crooked human being. Um, so that's good. That's good stuff. Back to you, Chris. How can we be positive? This is what I was trying to make sure that we talked about on Sunday. How can we be positive but not ignore the reality of sin when confronting others. Um, let me go through my list here. I got uh, we need to check our own
0: hearts first. Um, we need to make sure that we are being humble in the situation. Well, we need to speak with. Truth and grace. Um we need to make sure it's the correct time when we confront this person. And we need to make sure that we're confronting them with script with actual scripture. Mm-hmm. I'm good. sure there's other things that I did not think of,
1: but Yeah. Well I'll address some things here, so things good. I still love you. <laughs> 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 it's hot in here. Do y'all think it's hot in here? I
0: am under a van or a event or something.
1: Alright. Alright, we're up. You gotta ask me a question. Okay. Jason Payne, should we
0: always share positive things when we confront others?
1: That's where I wanted to clarify. Uh, the goal of peacemaking is not to just share positive things and hope everyone gets along. Um, I'd say, in fact, that's exactly what false prophets do in the Old Testament. They refuse to share the truth. Um, You got conflict and confrontation, and they would not share the truth. They shared a false, positive future to the king and the people. Uh, so I would say we should always be positive in the sense that we're always hopeful. Um, we need to make sure that we aren't false prophets. That, we're paint- that we are not painting a false positive reality when confronting others. Um, because the truth is, that person can choose righteousness and their future still not necessarily be Positive. So, um, we want to be hopeful. Maybe that would have been the better way to put point three. Peacemakers highlight all the hopeful things of the situation. Mm. That would have been a better (laughs) way to understand the passage. But Next time. Next time, I'll do it. Next time, I'll do it. So, that's all right. I don't have perfect points. That's why... We have the Bible. So, number four, peacemakers restore relationships that were broken. Baker, what did the restored relationship look like for Saul and David? So,
2: Saul swore that he would not put David to death. And then, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this week, seems <something> like that's <laughs> happened before. and So uh, then Jonathan brought David back into the house before Saul, into his presence.
1: Yep. It's a good, happy ending to a complicated story. Uh, This week.
0: uh, Jason, does restored relationships mean that everything goes back to the way it was?
1: I'm going to put yes and no, but usually no. Uh, in verse 7, we see that David goes back into Saul's presence as before. Mm-hmm. Um, but the question is, do we really think that David like didn't side-eye Saul when he was near that spear? Like You're like, I don't know if he's going to do it again. Which he does end up doing that. Um, Like, do we really think there's not some trust issues there, even though David's back in the house as before? Um, There's a twofold lie in restoration. Uh, We think restoration first is immediate. That's a lie. Forgiveness can be immediate. Restoration is not. It takes a lot of work to see something restored. And I'd say by God's good grace, it can happen on at least relationships in our life. Um, but the other line is we think restoration is going back to the same situation that's why I think people are hesitant to even seek restoration because they think and maybe even it's the expectation that everything has to go back to the way it was I'm like well I don't know about that yeah. I don't know if we're ready for that um, going back to the same situation that made everything implode is not restoration Uh, For instance, like, I would never, nor should any elder at this church, would never counsel a woman to go back with her abuser and then pretend like everything will be fine this time because he said he was sorry and we should forgive people. Um, Sometimes restoration means the parties separate for a while and maybe separate indefinitely. Um, But the calling to turn the other cheek is a calling to not lash out irrationally against someone. It's not a calling to stand there and get beat up. So restoration can't be found if you keep getting slapped in the face. Mm-hmm. So there's just two lies in that restoration. And hopefully that's helpful because usually, <clears throat> usually people have a false expectation of what a restored relationship is. And then, likewise, people are hesitant to enter into that restoration process because of that false expectation, if any of that makes sense. Hmm. Um, So, it's a lot of work. And by God's good grace, it can happen, but it may not look exactly how everyone else wants it to happen. Um, So, for you, Fortner, how can we pray as peacemakers for broken relationships?
0: Uh, We just we turn it all over to the Lord. Um, We can pray for peace over the broken relationship. We can pray to the Lord to mend and restore a broken relationship. We can ask. um, We can ask for strength and wisdom to be the person to take the first step in mending uh, the broken relationship.
1: Oh, that's good. I'm sorry, I'm looking up a passage that we're going to have to read here. Ephesians. Um, So the summary point for the message was Christ becomes our ultimate peacemaker. And uh, we have some two final questions here in that space. This is out of Ephesians 2, starting in verse 3. I guess I'm reading out of the NASB. Uh, Oh, starting in verse 13, sorry. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of commandments, contained in ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace." more I could read on all that. But how is Christ our ultimate peacemaker? Chris Fortner. Uh,
0: let's see. Christ has made peace between, first of all, God and man yep. through his death on the cross, through his sacrifice. Um, Christ has restored us to God. And I would, I would say even further, uh, if we are all in Christ, then we're restored to one another yep. uh, as,
1: as the body of Christ. Yep. That's good. So with that being said for you, how does our vertical relationship with God impact our horizontal relationship with others?
2: I mean, our deepest relationship is with God. And, you know, as, you know, fallen human beings, you know, part of our salvation is God has given us the ability um, to love others at a deeper level. And so I think you know, having a relationship between two people that are sinners saved by grace, there's always going to be that default to fall back to, you know, grace has been given to me. So you give grace towards each
1: other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good. That's really good. Yeah. We're not great at that though. <laughs> so. All right. That's the end of the first part of this podcast. Um, you want to do this camping question? Sure, I wrote an answer. All right. Wow. You probably won't like so it, but I conclusion. wrote it. <laughs> um So, we did this family camp out this, what, two weekends ago, and Jenny did such a great job and her team um, did such a great job of kind of organizing that, and um, it was a ton of fun. Uh, so, for all of us, I'm going to guess. I know your answers, the way you reference that. What's your favorite part about camping, or do you hate it? Let's go to, I'm saving yours. You got to hold on to that. What about you, Bakery? You like camping?
2: Uh, I've not been in many years. I mean, growing up, I was in Boy Scouts, so we'd go like once a month. Yeah. But, man, it's been a long time, and I really like central heating and air, so. <laughs>
1: nice. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. I bet yours is very similar.
0: You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. I said I don't, I don't hate it. Okay. It's not my favorite thing to do. But with most, most things, my favorite part is going to be...
1: The food involved. The food. It. There yeah. you go. What the do, food. What do you like about camping food? S'mores? I just like food. <laughs> like hot dogs, hot dogs, s'mores. Hamburgers, whatever. Cooking over the fire. Yeah, yeah that makes yeah. it better. I love the taste of s'mores and I hate eating a s'more you know (laughs) you know i just feel like a sticky six-year-old you know like especially with the mustache because then it just gets the beard and everything it's so i did eat a s'more at the family camp out and i was like that was so good and i'm not gonna eat another one because i already already feel gross mine's fire just sitting around a campfire there's nothing better but it was a blast. People asked how it went, and I, to, I told them, I said it probably went too good. Um, it, everything went so well that we're gonna have to do it again. <laughs> uh, so because it it was like, it was what, nice. yeah, like when well, you at some point you left, right? Yeah. So even when that it got, time. it was getting real dark, and we're around the fire. I'm thinking like, why? It went so well. You're like, why haven't we done this yet? You know, I'm like serious. I don't think they had. Been done in a long, long time. I mean, we didn't
0: stay, but I had a good time from what we did. I stayed for most of it. Whenever the movie started, we took off.
1: And I thought the weather was perfect. It was a thousand degrees when it got cold, and that sun went down. It yeah, it cooled off in the fifties, which is perfect. My mind is late. Yeah. So, all right, we're done with that. Let's go on to June eleventh, this past Sunday. Um. Since you like food so much, Chris, yes, sir. Uh, we had a Bibles and Bacon this past Saturday that you didn't attend. I did not, that had a lot of good food mm. and that I probably potatoes. couldn't have had. <laughs> probably not. So, we did Bibles and Bacon, and Dwayne made what was it, a cowboy breakfast, yeah. which I'm like, I don't, I'm like, how fat are these cowboys? <laughs> 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 oh we had eggs. Um, mm-hmm. Really good biscuits, sausage gravy. He made this like hamburger steak thing with panko. Like a chicken fried hamburger. Yeah, with a ca- thing going on. Yeah, it was so good. Then um, potatoes. Pota- the good potatoes, good potatoes he makes. And then uh, like baked beans. Mm-hmm. Like with, And there, I think there was some hamburger thing in the baked beans. There was all
2: kinds of stuff in the baked beans. Oh,
1: man, it was. It was good. It was good. I told the guys I said we should have kept that porta potty down by the pavilion (laughs) for all that. It was it was really good. So, in in light of all that, what's your as we move into this new week? What's your favorite breakfast food of all time?
2: I can't eat them anymore, but biscuits and gravy, Uh, and then of course bacon. I mean, you can't go wrong with bacon.
1: Did you not eat the biscuits and gravy down there? No. 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 That's a lot of carbs. It is. It is. I've watched someone do it. It's nothing brand new, but the people that rip up their biscuit and then pour gravy on it, I'm like, that really is the better way to do
2: it. That's uh, yeah.
1: I've always done that. See, I don't know. Yeah. My dumb brain didn't do that. Like <laughs> it's well, it's probably it's in our family because every morning the past few mornings I wake up And there's like, it looks like a mouse got into Pop-Tarts and put it all over (laughs) the kitchen table and the floor. I've never seen so many crumbs on a Pop-Tart. Every morning, these kids just demolish. There's like at least a leftover Pop-Tart on there in crumbs. So it's pretty annoying. Why am I talking about that? Mm -hmm. All right, Chris, how about you?
0: Um, I agree with the bacon, but I I think bacon be eaten at any time, so I didn't label it as necessarily a breakfast food. But if there's no restrictions, no and restrictions I could have anything. It would be French toast.
1: French toast. Yep, I love it. All right. What's your favorite breakfast restaurant? Probably the Southern. Yeah. Yeah. I it's been a while no, since how about I've been. commercial, like oh, big big chain restaurant. I don't
0: really, I don't care. Waffle House, I would go to Waffle House over uh, IHOP or, uh, yeah, something like yeah. that. I I enjoy
1: staffing. Was there um,
0: we don't have <laughs> a one around here. I think we have one close uh, in uh, like Denny's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at least uh, uh, like Denny's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think someone it's, like, told Pigeon me there's Forge a Bob something.
1: Evans in Kingsport. There's, there's a, a Bob one Evans in Johnson City. Boons Creek. What? Yeah, Boons Creek. yeah, that's what. It, like, out, yeah. yeah, sorry, out there. Yeah, I thought they were like we're done. There's too many other places we got. Used to eat there all the time when I love Bob Evans. We went there a lot growing up. Um, have you ever been to Sawyer's and Pigeon Forge? Mm-hmm. They're pretty good for breakfast. I don't know. Mine's probably biscuits or gravy, or this is its kind of a weird thing to say for a breakfast food. Not that weird, but like just over easy eggs. Like a good over easy egg completes a good breakfast. All right, y'all got me hungry, but we got a new set of questions to go through. First Samuel 19, 18 through 24. Um, David was right to be pretty concerned because there was war again and once David got home from victory, Saul threw a spear at him again. Welcome home. So welcome home. David's on the run so he doesn't die. So the question we were going to we answered on Sunday is, where should I run? Three points kept them real simple. One, run to the place of encouragement. Chris, where did David run to? Uh,
0: let's see. David ran to Samuel
1: at Ramah. Uh, a
0: few fun facts: we haven't heard from Samuel in a while. Yep. Uh, we left off in chapter 16. He anointed David and then took off for Ramah. Um, if you're curious about where Ramah is, it's about five miles north of Jerusalem.
1: Yep, and it's in the
0: lands allocated to Benjamin.
1: Yeah, Rama of Benjamin. I, I, I'm glad you added that. I was thinking about adding a map on Sunday, and then I was like, I just need to get this message written. You know, like, there was this past weekend was it was so it was rough. I've actually finished this message on Saturday. Yeah, yeah, I know you want to hear that. Yeah, Saturday was. At like five o'clock, like I guess it was Saturday night, which is not what I like to do. But it was almost done. I was on the conclusion by then, but still, it's a good answer. Uh, oh, you got another one. Oh, boy. How was Samuel an encouragement to David?
0: Um, you I put what you said in your sermon. Um, there's no, there's a, there's not a whole lot from what we read in that small right. scripture to go off of, but Samuel. Uh, listened to David, what he had to say, and then he took him in. He actually yep. took him in and let him stay with him. So
1: Pretty encouraging. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, like, I doubted myself a lot, because, yeah, you're right, it's still somewhat conjecture, but as I was preaching it on Sunday, I thought, no, it is clear. Like, David, I mean, Samuel is taking time and really, truly taking David in and listening yeah. to him and and housing him and keeping him safe, so... Quite the encouragement. So for you, Baker, why is it important to run to the people of God? Um, for us
2: as believers, the people of God should be a safe place. Um, getting wise counsel, you know, um, having somebody to stand stand with you, to seek God with you. Uh, having that support, you know, people petitioning uh, to God on your
0: behalf as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. those are good Uh, Jason Payne, how can we do a better job of encouraging others?
1: I think the first step in some of that is to do a better job with showing empathy. Mm -hmm. We're also selfish that all we see is our own problems. Mm -hmm. like That we never take time to consider oh they're probably going through a lot you know like i i mean it's going to be the same podcast episode but i was referencing like this guy raging this road rage incident and i'm not saying like i was gonna get in my car and give him a hug but (laughs) to take time and be like what's going on in this guy's life Mm -hmm. that he feels like he it was a young guy like feels like he's got to be that out of control. Uh, was it just a real poor moment and everything else is fine? Or like, what's, what's he dealing with? I think it's just helpful, um, especially in today's culture. Like, we, we don't think about that at all. Um, we're just so self-consumed with our own issues. to Really stop and think, what are they going through? And not to make assumptions um, about their issues. And so that allows us to to start to encourage people in a more healthy way to to practically do that I think as a church like text people encouragement like Mm -hmm. hey I'm praying for you or how can I be praying for you this week I've started to do that people in the church would know I don't do that with everyone Um, and I'm not like picking favorites it's just people that come to mind I will text them how can I pray for you I have people that Text me that. That's a healthy way to encourage, to do a better job of being encouraging as, as a church. Um, and lastly, I'd say, and there's a whole bunch of things I could say, but lastly, I would say, when you attend any church thing, uh, so I'm talking about the people of God. If it's a Sunday morning, an event, anything that you do, think, take time to look around and say, who might need to be encouraged here this morning? Um, it's usually the person like who's sitting by themselves, who is no one talking to like or who do i who they don't seem like they connect with anyone just take time and go say hello and how's your day going and um again prayer like pray for people um especially on a sunday morning like you just if someone says hey you know, my dad's really sick right now. he be like, oh, I'm praying for you. He'd be like, no, just pray for him right there. Just say, well, can we pray for you right now? And do it. Um, so sometimes being encouraging is not being so selfish and having a little more boldness and courage to be encouraging. You think there's a play on words in there? Encouraging. Be courageous. Courageous, Encouraging. It's a new book I've got coming out. Um, Two, run to the place of protection. Jason Baker. Why couldn't the messengers capture David?
2: Um, It said they saw the company of the prophets prophesying and Samuel standing at the head of them. Then the Spirit of God came upon the messengers of Saul, and they also prophesied. So God intervened uh, through the form of, of, or the person of the Holy Spirit.
1: Yep. and as you the same thing happens to Saul mm-hmm. but what I did not clearly reference on Sunday and I'm going to be real honest here I did not recognize it until I read it in front of everyone on Sunday so when Saul goes to Rama himself mm-hmm. and it says that he too uh, began to prophesy I'm getting these out of order but he too began to prophesy and he too Stripped off his clothes, so the implication of the text is all of those me- messengers got butt naked, and prophesied day and night before Samuel. It wasn't just Saul; it was everyone that Saul sent. Is what the, the way the text reads to me. That's it's, one one way to disarm him. Oh, I mean, yeah, it's <laughs> like a, it's such a mind boggling. To be honest, I don't know as much as I've grown up in church. That, I don't think I've ever heard a sermon on that. Um, and if I have, I just wasn't listening. But, um, yeah, it's a pretty wild scene there that's going on in First Samuel. Uh, Where are we at? Oh, who is the Holy Spirit? That's a good question. We're talking about the Spirit of God. Who is the Holy Spirit? Uh, let's see. The Holy
0: Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. Uh, he is not a thing, but a divine person. He is God. Um, the Holy Spirit
1: possesses the characteristics of God. I like it. Mm -hmm. I like it. Yeah, just trying to reiterate to our church um, that the Holy Spirit is not an it. Right. He is God, um, which is far more profound. So, it's good.
0: Uh, So with that, Jason Payne, how does the Holy Spirit protect us
1: today? All right. I don't have the scripture for this, so people are gonna to have to look it up. Um, I think in two primary ways, um, at least today. And the first is the Holy Spirit protects us by reminding us of who Christ is and what Christ has done for us. And I'm talking to believers here. Um, the Holy Spirit reminds us of of who we are in Christ. Most not most importantly, but secondly, I'd say the Holy Spirit protects us by um, revealing to us the truth of the Word. So it's it's God's Word and the obedience to God's Word that it has a protecting agent in our life, and it's the Holy Spirit is the one. Like you can't, you can know things a lot of things about Scripture without the Holy Spirit but you're not going to understand this, mm-hmm. the scriptures without the Holy Spirit. Right. Um, you can be a really good hearer of the Word, but not a doer of the Word um, without the Holy Spirit. So there's a lot of protection in that. You're, And that's why we intentionally pray every Sunday. I try to tell people it's not a transitional prayer because I don't know how to transition from my intro point to the exposition of the passage, the healthy model or just the repetition that we have is let's stop and pray, um, and ask God to reveal the truth of his word and not just the truth of what Jason's got to share on Sunday, but what's the word have to say. And hopefully I'm, I'm online, but not always. I make mistakes. So, um, so yeah. Yeah. That would be some levels of protection of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Any others that you all would think of? All right. Everyone keep the clothes on. Discernment. (laughs) Ooh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. We need a lot of that today. Yeah, you know what? That reminds me of... um, We had a guest speaker in our last church, and when he preached, he didn't say anything that was like full-blown heresy, that everyone's like, get off the stage right now. But something about what he said didn't feel right. And um, I could kind of pinpoint where it was, um, but there was a lot of other other staff members and then other people in our church that kept saying, like they could kind of like point to a a part of his message and say, like, this didn't feel right. And they didn't have a passage in mind, a verse in mind. They just something, there was a check there. And I'd say that is the Holy Spirit protecting us. The Holy Spirit is reminding you, even subconsciously, of the word and saying, like, that something there is not right. You should investigate that. Um, Certainly a work of the Holy Spirit to protect us against false teaching. So All right, 3, run to the place of salvation. Uh, Baker,
2: mm-hmm.
1: how does Yeah, here we are. How does 1st Samuel 19 18 through 24 relate to 1st Samuel 10 9 through 13? So
2: back in 1st Samuel 10, um, Saul encountered a group of prophets. Says the spirit of God came over him and he prophesied and this is actually where the saying, is Saul also among the prophets came from. That was its origin. Yeah. Uh, that you know was a genuine, you know God-filled prophesying yeah. type situation, but then in First Samuel nineteen, when Saul goes after David and Samuel, he starts prophesying again. Um, but at at this point, it seems like this is more of a God showing Saul who's in charge. You know, mm-hmm. it's almost more of a mockery of the saying "Is Saul among the
1: prophets?" Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's a great answer. Um, did anyone? Did you all like? Did that click for? I I didn't hear from anyone. Did anyone did that click for anyone without me referring to First Samuel ten? No, um, I, I did remember that line is Saul also like among the prophets. I knew that was like that's we taught on that that's in there, but I didn't realize how much of a parallel is there between those chapters. Yeah, it's almost it's a it's a parallel of mockery that that ends up showing Saul naked before Samuel. What a wild scene, man. All right. Uh, da, 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 da. Chris, yep. why is it important to know that it's only the, the, only the Lord that can save? Uh, because that is the only way we can be saved.
0: Uh, that's it. There's no backup plan. No other person or spiritual leader. Christ alone. Yep. So it's extremely important to remember this, focus on this, study this cling to it, and live it out in our lives. Um, It's important because He is our only
1: hope. Yeah. I like that answer. That was a good answer. I didn't like the question. I was like, I don't know what he's going to say for that. (laughs) Yeah, when I read it, I was like... "Mm." Yeah, that's a good answer.
0: Thank
1: you. Uh, Jason Payne, how does the Lord save? It's the gospel. It's the fact that we are separated from a holy God and... In God's righteous wrath, pointed our way. Mm-hmm. That Christ, who is gone, came to take our place. He not only died for us, so that death um, offers forgiveness, but it also pays for that that wrath that was headed our way. Mm-hmm and then he came back from the jesus came back from the dead and in so doing we receive all of jesus's righteousness rather than all of god's wrath um and so i one it's good to be reminded of the gospel and two how does the lord save that's how he saves because there's no other, there's no other way to do that. You know, like, the way I just explained that, like, you can't do that, your friend can't do that, your your granddaddy, who was a great Christian, can't stand in that gap for you. It's it's only Jesus. It's only the Lord that can save. Um, so that's how he does it. It's good. So summary point, the Spirit of God brings good news to the afflicted. Um... Should we read Isaiah 61-1? I've got it here. Oh, perfect. All right. right, Go for it.
2: The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to the blind to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound.
1: Yeah. And I would say... um, So the question is, what good news is offered to the afflicted slash poor? Because... Uh, afflicted is often used where poor is, and I think it's used in that sense. Unless I'm cutting into your answer, it's used in that sense because it, in some ways, is meant the same thing. Yeah. Um, so it's not just economically poor. And are you going to mention that Jesus? Yeah, yeah, That Luke. it wasn't just Isaiah. It's yeah,
2: in just... Luke four eighteen through nineteen. Uh, Jesus is actually in a synagogue and stands up and reads this, mm-hmm. and then he turns around. and He says, "This has been fulfilled today."
1: Yeah, and, and so, they all said, "You're so right, Jesus. Thank, yeah. <laughs> thank you for sharing that with us."
2: <laughs> and then they chased, tried to. Oh kill yeah, that, it. Was it. that was right it. Right after that, it's yeah. like a bunch of Sauls again. Yeah, you know?
1: yeah. Man, So the I wonder. I'm sure if I was like a super metaphorical preacher I could have made that that could have been my whole message you know but David or Saul is chasing David and then the bad guys chase Jesus to the cliff you think there's a message in there no just say no that's Uh. (laughs) there's not don't worry it's kind of like when
2: people use Goliath all the time as their Whatever, whatever's like, in front of them. my
1: My boss is a loser. He's a Goliath. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, when I worked, I worked at this homeschool curriculum company in Louisville, Kentucky, and I just did shipping. I didn't do, they didn't trust me to make the curriculum. <laughs> so, it was like, it was a Latin-based curriculum. And there was a guy there that did work on some of the uh, Latin curriculum, but he made slings. Like, David and Goliath slings. he, did a bunch of research and made these slings and then sold them online and was making a killing, no pun intended, a killing on these (laughs) slings. And on a break, I don't know if it was a break or we were just goofing off, we went out and um, it was next to a construction area, so there's like a bunch of rocks and a dirt hill flinging these rocks. I'm like, that would absolutely kill someone. I mean, it was deadly how fast you could throw a sling of rocks. It was wild. But yeah, he was selling these like little pieces of leather and making all kinds of money. So all right, sorry, go ahead. No.
2: So I mean the good news, you know, it's it's the gospel. You know, it's it's Christ, you know, he, he that whole chapter talks about restoration mm-hmm. to the broken. So comfort those for those who mourn. Uh, he's a God of justice. And at the end of that chapter, it talks about we will be clothed by our Savior Mm. or our Bridegroom. That's good. So
1: So I want to end with this question, and here's why. Um, I know all of these, most of these answers run to the place of encouragement, protection, salvation. Uh, Certainly, we're running to the Lord, but I also made many references of running to the people of God. Uh, However, as I was writing this message, I thought, well, people have tried to do that. They've run to the people of God. they run to the church and didn't find encouragement, found the opposite of protection. I mean, especially in what we're seeing today. I mean, it's like every church documentary... Uh, every news article it's like abuse, 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 a place that should have been a place of protection is a place of abuse. Um and I think even run to the place of salvation, people are you're hopefully the gospels are being preached. All these people are coming to church and they're just trying to they're being preached at how to live a better life. And they're like, yeah, but tell me, you know, how do I get a new life? <laughs> um so my question is when should you decide to leave a church? like if you ran to that place and it wasn't these things, you ran to the place that what none of it was encouraging, none of it offered protection, none of it was preaching the gospel, and I know some of the answer is already in what I just said, but when is it time to be like, "I need to leave the church and go to it and go find another church?" Who wants to go first? All right, Baker, you're up <laughs> okay um
2: you know, I think, of course, if the gospel is not the central message of the church, you know, God's, and that's the center of God's word, not that it's not just taught, but that people aren't living by God's word. Yeah. Because I think if you find a church where that is going on, you're going to find that haven, that security that you're looking for. So, you know, when when people when the church is not teaching the gospel and when the people aren't listening to the gospel. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's At that point, it's time to go.
0: Yeah, how about you, Chris? Yeah, I was on, uh, kind of on the same lines as him, when a church clings to false gospel and or doctrine, um, but also put in here after, and this wouldn't be every situation, but after speaking with the elders of the church, Yeah there's no resolution um and then also after much prayer and consideration i don't think it's something that i mean some of the situations that you name are pretty obvious that you should right. be right but um if it's a not so obvious a scenario then after much prayer consideration i don't think it's something that should be taken lightly or, or quickly necessarily but
1: yeah yeah i think those are good I, my my list will just kind of go through what uh, points one through three, but when you run, like, when is it when you decide it's time to, like, I think I need to find another church? It's not the question, isn't like, well, no one I don't feel encouraged anymore, no one's encouraging me. I thought, well, I don't know, quit being so selfish and encourage someone else. Like, why did you decide to make this about you and make it a ministry goal to encourage people? that you gather and worship together with. And crazy enough, when you do that, you'll also be encouraged. So it's not, we should never like go to a church and say, or leave the church because no one, I don't feel encouraged anymore. I'm like, well, just because no one said anything nice to you that Sunday doesn't mean it's not an encouraging church. You go encourage someone. Um, So That would be a big one Uh, when we talk about a place of protection, when the local church, the church that you're at, refuses to call out sin in its Mm. own body, you're looking at a place that's not going to protect well. And not even call out sin, but that no one's... This might sound confusing. No one's protected from... uh, Having that, having sin called out in their life, you know what I mean. Like, so if you want to place a church, a local church of protection, you're making sure like the the leaders are not scared to protect the flock by calling out sin in their own in the congregation. But likewise, the leadership is not so uh, guarded and. Um, Like, on such a pedestal that people can't call out their sin either. Mm -hmm. So there must be a mutual um, calling out of sin. I know you mentioned, even before we recorded, um, well, I guess I'm not going to say this on a Sunday morning, but uh, that you're candidating, Jason Baker's candidating, as an elder. And so you sat in on some of most of the staff evals yesterday. And you mentioned earlier that, that the transparency of the staff was, Mm -hmm. um, encouraging. And I think that's, that's the way it should be in the church where the staff can be transparent because it's not like staff deal with sin. I deal with sin and that needs to be mutually called out like to, to grow. And I, I'm not saying that, like, there was a bunch of sin confession yesterday, <laughs> but it's that culture of a yeah. church that no one's above being confronted of sin. Um, and then lastly, it's simply, if, is your church preaching the gospel? Um, if this church stops preaching the gospel, go find another church. I give you permission <laughs> right now. Not that you need it, but um, it's preach the gospel. I'm hesitant to say, stops preaching the Word. Because um, people have different understanding by that. Um, And I guarantee there's people out there that think I don't preach the Word enough on Sunday morning, which is crazy, but there would be people that that say that. So, um, of course, make sure that they're walking through the Word, but that the Gospel is clearly being taught or you didn't run to a place of salvation. Um, So... All right, we're done. Who wants to pray? Go for it. Me? Yes, sir. All right. God, thank you so much uh, for today. Thank you for um, Chris and, and Jason and just the ability to gather, the ability to um, study your word. And I pray, Father, that this might be encouraging to those that listen. And we are thankful for the opportunity to do it. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Amen.